And what I had happened with motorcycles is I started to realize that I had been missing the boat. And I was now seeking experiences and not things. Motorcycling for me, especially on a technical trail or even yeah. going kind of fast on like two track or single track, there is nothing that you are more focused on than that 20, 30 feet in front of you. And that is for me the most, that is the best meditation that anybody can have because everything else goes away at that point. Hey, what is up guys? And welcome to the first Backcountry ADV Moto podcast. Uh, this is going to be, we're just going to wing it. So I have a buddy of mine, Brian Melville on, uh, you have probably never seen him on the channel or really maybe even never heard of him, but he is an awesome dude. And he has decided to be the very first guinea pig on the backcountry ADV moto podcast. So here's Brian right here. Welcome buddy. How are you? What's up, dude? I, I love being a test case, by the way. It's awesome. Yeah. I mean, what better person that to do it? Because you, I feel like you're one of those guys that can just go with the flow on anything. That's what you should be in life, man. I try. I try for everything, man. It's just nice to uh, be able to do this and have a conversation, especially since we had some recent travels and some experiences and all that kind of stuff. So it's like, what a fitting time, I think. Yeah, for sure. So a little bit about Brian real quick. Uh, I'll give a, a, a quick background and then Brian, I'll let you kind of take it away. But Brian, um, he's a realtor down in Southern California, just kind of recently getting into uh, adventure motorcycle riding in the last few years and also has an apparel company called beyond zero. So let's, uh, just go ahead and give me your, your down and dirty, who you are, what you do and kind of just go from there. Yeah. So, I mean, I think you kind of nailed it. Uh, I'm a middle-aged dude. I picked up riding a dirt bike officially in December, 2020. So it's been three years since I purchased a, a KTM dual sport. Uh, and then the pandemic came shortly thereafter. And uh, what a fitting time to sort of just really dig in and have time to go explore, do things with my friends. And it just opened up a whole new world. And, and shortly thereafter, it was interesting too, because not only did I pick up the dual sport bike, but all my friends were riding big bikes. So I'm like, well, I want to do that too. So only four months after just starting to ride dirt and let alone any big bikes, I bought a Yamaha T7. <laughs> and then like shortly thereafter, I was already on the Colorado BDR within like three months. So. That's I think awesome. we kind of like had this weird crash course of like picking up a dual sport bike and then a, a, a bigger adventure bike and basically learning two disciplines, you know, if you want to look at them that way at one time, which was really cool, uh, a little overwhelming. Honestly, if I'm being really transparent here, I think the KTM took a back seat because we started prepping for the Colorado BDR right away. And then I spent a lot of my first year really on the big bike uh, and then started riding the dual sport more in year two. So it's interesting, you know, it's just been, I mean, it's, it's been a crazy ride, man. And I, I, th I can think of things along the way. One thing in particular, maybe some of your listeners here or viewers can relate to this. I started consuming content and some of the content that I was consuming at the time was channels like yours and, and various others where I was just so thirsty for, for knowledge, just what is adventuring and adventure riding and motoing about moto camping. So I just really became obsessed to the point where I'm still doing that. That's all I really do is just, I'm on YouTube, YouTube university, whatever it is, trying to learn things, pick things that I like. And I just realized what a valuable sort of resource and community that YouTube can be as evidenced by the fact that we're here right now. And you and I had just recently done a trip in Arizona. I mean, it was like, what a world, man. Like, you can say yeah, for sure. whatever you want about the world of social media and all this stuff. I don't think any of us would disagree with some of the bad things. That's, that's another discussion. What I keep focusing on with others is I'm saying it's really good for the good that it can do. And when I say that it's, I'm referencing like community and connection and, and kinship and brotherhood with people, sisterhood, whatever it is that you're, you're into doing, whatever your thing is that you're connecting, building your tribe, if you will. What a great way to do that with uh, with all this connectivity we have with social media and, and channels like YouTube and Instagram. I mean, almost everybody that I ride with, my friends group, has been built from online. Yeah, it's it's crazy because social media really is it's it if you use it correctly and what it's intended for, 
it's a it's an excellent tool to be able to meet new people that are outside of your your local community, right? Because back it used to be you'd see somebody riding you stop you stop at a gas station at the same time they are, and maybe you, you strike up the nerve to go talk to them, and then you become riding buddies, right? Where now you get to see people riding literally all over the country, and you, you know, like you, I was like, hey, I'm going to be down in Southern California. Do you want to go ride? You're like, yes, and then it ended up moving to Arizona and you're like, screw it. I'm going to tag along anyway. Cause that's, that sounds like a fun trip too. So I think it's, it's such an awesome tool to be able to meet people that are in the same niche and, and want to do the same things as you do. And yeah, it's, I, I think I'm in the same boat. I've met probably more people through social media that I ride with regularly than I do here in North Idaho. I mean, there's only a handful of people that I ride with here in North Idaho. And the funny part about that is those people that now live here in North Idaho, didn't used to live here and I knew them prior to them moving up here. So right. it's, it's just kind of a, kind of a weird thing, but, um, let's, let's jump in to, so again, kind of a new writer, been writing for a few years, but what really got you in? Let's dive a little bit deeper into the story on why you decided to, um, to go. And I know we're going to get a little bit personal here, but let's, let's dive in a little bit to what, because the reason I want to ask this question, I want you to tell your story is because it, it moved me the first time I heard it. You have a, you have on your YouTube channel, which, you know, you're just kind of starting out on, uh, the beyond zero channel. Yeah. But that boot dude, that one, that one video has really, I mean, that's what got me want to get into what to know you because we really do have a lot of similar background and as to why we got into motorcycles. And when I, I watched that intro video of yours, it literally did move me to where I just, I, I gotta get to know this guy. So let's dive into that a little bit and sure. let's hear kind of why you got into motorcycles in general. I mean, if you say why I got into it, it all goes back to childhood. Uh, we didn't have means. Uh, if anybody had anything motorized at all, that was, you know, like wasn't a bicycle, certainly on two wheels, a go-kart, anything like that. I was always interested and I wanted it, couldn't afford it. As soon as I was a little older, I purchased like jet skis, and my first bike, which was like a Suzuki Katana 600, I was like in the 90s, like 91. There was no helmet law in California. And so I kind of was just riding that, just like I wanted to meet girls. I just thought like, oh, God, you know, I was a skateboarder. I was like getting into like different adult phase of life. And I'm like, let's just get bikes. And me and my buddy just were retards, you know, riding around, no helmets. That didn't last very long. So from the 90s all the way to 2008, no bike always had you know an interest seeing a bike i was like oh what's this so i decided at 2008 to go pick up a bike something cheap affordable just wanted to ride and at that time gas was as expensive as it is now like 08 it hit like five dollars a gallon and i'm like driving a truck you know it's very expensive at the time so i just said well i'll just go get a bike i'll save gas i'll have some fun why not let's try it out so i bought a suzuki boulevard like m50 like a metric cruiser it's like all my other friends called it a Hardly. And I was thought Hardly was the, Hardly, excuse me, Harley Davidson was the benchmark, right? So I, I get this, this little metric cruiser, no one to really ride with. And then another friend picked up the same bike. So I had somebody to ride with. And now we're like twinning on fucking Boulevard. Like, what the hell? So bizarre. But I just always, every free moment started riding. 2008, I rode that to maybe 2000 mid 2009 or 10 barely and i was just like eh. you know it was just a weekender thing or a free time thing which is definitely doesn't feel that way now i'll get to that um but it was cool i enjoyed it but i always wanted a harley i just felt like i wanted a real bike nobody's gonna like me no one's gonna be cool with me everyone's joking look at your cheap harley japanese bike the little metric bike you know it's fine i get it you can say whatever you want bike was was fun it was reliable it was way fast enough and i had a good time on it however one of my friends says, Hey, buddy of mine's selling a Harley. Like a rich guy, does you know, having kids, thing is garage furniture. So I picked up this 07 fat boy done to the nines for like six grand, like with only six thousand miles on it. Like it was a dream. Too much chrome, every bit of chrome on it, like everything. Swing arm. I mean, I'm just like obnoxious, 18-inch ape hangers. I'm like, fuck it. I didn't even change anything. I just rode the bike from like 10 to 14, I kept it and I only put 7,000 miles on it, which will tie in nicely to how many miles I've done already in such a short time. But the Harley was just like a, again, a weekender thing, bar hopping with some dudes, but I wasn't really connecting with 
anything other than I loved being out on it. And I found myself when time permitted, I was building a business, you know, my real estate business was, was going, I'm married, had things going on, but like everybody, I was just riding it when I could. Definitely still not feeling that way now. <laughs> like now it feels like the priority all the time, which is weird. But then I was just, okay, so I, I sold it around 2015 to a buddy because I was just like, I don't need this Harley anymore. We moved into a new house and I just like, yeah, let's just get rid of it. I sold it to a friend who moved up to uh, Idaho and, uh, and I only put like 6,000 miles on it in that many years. I was just like, oh, you know, from like 13 or 11, I don't know how many years, a few years that I owned which is, it. Which is crazy because like if it was up here, you know, like in where I only get to ride X amount of months a year, that makes sense. But like down there, you can ride year round, you know? So yeah, you're not riding it very much. Yeah. It's year round here. So uh, I had sold it and I just thought I'm done with bikes. I don't know why I was feeling that way. I just, you know, go through changes in life. You're just, things come and go. I just wasn't feeling it. Wasn't connecting with the culture of, of Harley Davidson necessarily. And I'm not knocking that either. I, I'm just saying like, there's a, there's a thing and a type of rider and type of clicks and dudes that ride that bike that don't right. do what we're, what we're sort of doing now, which was, I love anybody who wants to ride on two wheels. I really do. But you got to still find the thing that I that I that I can latch onto and cling to that speaks to me. And in fact, I've found a lot of guys that ride a lot more street getting interested now too. Because if you're just being cool, have great conversations, like man, that seems awesome to do that. I'm like, yeah. What I always wondered is what happens when the pavement ends, right? And I'm like, I'm that boy. I'm like, well, like what if I wanted to go down that road right now? Just see where it goes. It's like you could do it, but you know, I'm gonna mess up all my chrome. Right, right. Whatever. You know, it just felt like that. So um, I just went without a bike until December 2020. And my friend Trevor, he's been riding most of his life with his boys. He has kids since they've been riding since they were like five. And they were, you know, maturing into uh, high schoolers and soon to graduate. And he just says, get a dual sport bike. My buddy knows of somebody who might be selling one. And I had looked at it, but I didn't want to pay what he was asking. So this doctor out here, I'm still friends with him, by the way. His name's Danny. Awesome. Like, his wife had passed away. He had a KTM 1090, a BMW 1250. He had this 525 decked out, dude, just decked. Safari tank on it. He was intending to do these big adventures. And I just was like, I just remember, I can still remember going to his house to pick up this bike, not knowing anything. Like, how do I start it? Like, what is this? What's a dual sport bike? And he was just like unloading it because he wasn't going to use it, but it had everything on it, dude. Just like sweet bike. I'm still those, riding. Those are like the best freaking deals, man. I'm still riding that bike now. And one of the things I liked about that, in hindsight, I had a few people like, why are you buying that old pig, man? Why didn't you make money? Why didn't you just buy a new bike? I'm like, because this one was only 6,000 bucks and it has like no hours on it and it has everything on it and it's a bulletproof bike. Like my buddy said, you got to buy right. this 07. This is the last year of the RFS. This is the one. It's plated. It's ready to go. It will not fail you. Guess what? I'm sitting here three years later, still ripping that thing two or three times a week. It hasn't failed me. Great bike. I used to, I had an 05. Love it that was, bike. Was, yeah. The 05, that RFS motor is an excellent motor. I mean, they, that's one of the best motors, I think, in my opinion, that KTM's ever, most reliable motors that KTM's ever yeah. made. It's weird that I talk to a lot of people now when they see me on that bike, a lot of older guys I meet on the trail and stuff. They're just like, oh man, I used to have that bike. God, those were great. It's always the yeah, same story, man. So I'm like, that's kind of confirmation at times, even though I want to buy a new bike, I'm just like, I'm going to keep building my skills and really focusing on just using this bike for what it is. Number one, building skills in riding, learning how to wrench. I'm not really a wrench. I had muscle cars when I was a kid, but like, that's just kind of, you always had help from someone's dad or stepdad who could kind of help you navigate your way through. But my dad didn't have tools. Like my dad like survived off of a toolbox dude with like, yeah. five things in a pipe wrench and like a couple screwdrivers, you know, like it was just, I didn't grow up like handy. So this bike is, well, not, let's, let's, like, let's touch on that. I mean, because it, that's, that is one thing that a lot of people, especially nowadays, I feel like they don't grow up with that, that mechanic figure or even that father figure. A lot of, I mean, that's, it's broken homes is like a, it's a huge thing now. Right. So I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole, but it is nice. And that's what another thing that's nice about having riding buddies, right? Like you may not know how to do it, but your buddy might. And if you don't, and together, if you don't know, it's fun just to learn that in my opinion, you know, that, that's why a lot of my videos are 
wrenching videos, how-to videos, because there's a ton of people out there that just don't, don't want to touch motorcycles because yeah. they, they feel like it's not a car. It, I'm going to, I'm going to mess it up. In reality, they're pretty simple machines. And I, I think that's why I make those videos. I want to help the people who don't have, who don't have that, you know, card in their back pocket to play when it comes to, you know, having just some mechanical knowledge. But, um, that's interesting that you say, and, and especially about the older bike too. Like I said, I had a, I had an 05 RFS, but I currently have a 2005 Honda 450 X, which that bike it, it's, it's, you know, 20 years old and it rips, man. Like I could go out and go buy any other bike that I wanted that I pretty much wanted to right now, but I just can't justify buying a new one when this one works so well. And I'm not like, you know, I'm not going out riding hard enduro every day. It does exactly what I want it to do. Just like I think yours does as well. So if it's not broke, don't fix it. Right. Yeah. I, I have friends that have all newer bikes. And I, one thing that I do and have just do appreciate and have discovered about riding is I like reliability and confidence inspiring, meaning that I know it's not going to fail. That's why the T7 for right. me was the choice at the time. All my friends were naysaying in a way, similar to like what you said, there was people who were saying, oh, you're going to get a BMW. And then they come around and like, they all want a BMW, right? It's just, I was a little ahead of the curve here in California because that bike was new in 2021. And it was like, oh God, it's a cheap bike. Same story. I felt like I was getting the T7 was like me buying the Suzuki Boulevard. All these people were like, oh bro, it's only $9,000. I'm like, okay, I don't care. I bought what I wanted. It, it's when you look at that bike now, yeah. Yeah. When you look at that bike now, years later, that bike is awesome. Like I, I ride one pretty regularly for Fieldcraft and I absolutely love the T7. If that bike had a few of the, you know, the, the electronic packages that some of the newer bikes do, like that would be, in my opinion, the absolute perfect bike. I think that the bike, God, I, we're going to go on a tangent and that's fine. Cause I love the T7. Yeah. I think the thing with the T7, if you can just, I guess if you're a new rider and you're watching this, or maybe you're a veteran rider, experienced rider, you'll, you'll resonate with what I'm about to say. In the beginning, there is no possible way to know, no matter how many things your friends tell you to buy or get or you must do, right? There, there's That opinion is in abundance around your circle if you start riding. Trust me, there's everyone's going to tell you where to spend your money on something because it's based off of their lens of things that they've done and they know. But as a new rider, I don't know that I could have even internalized or understood the feedback for the things I was being told to put on the bike in the beginning, right? Like I know now the first thing I would do is put the suspension on. It's the first thing I would do. And the crash bar is fine just because I know you're going to drop the bike when you're new. Fine. Put those two things on there. I still wouldn't have understood and I'm still learning about suspension because that's like another sweet science, right? But I think that now riding and, and riding a lot over 20,000 miles on the T7 alone in hard conditions, putting myself in their full immersion, I now understand and can see feedback when I now make changes. Now I'm stripping the bike apart. There's less stuff on it, right? It's like, yeah. I listened in the beginning because I just needed a voice. I needed a mentor. I needed someone to coach me a long way. I'm like, hey man. And I think that's a pitfall that a lot of new riders make. And so when I meet people who are new, I don't encourage them to go break the bank. What I would suggest is just do the things that are just going to protect the bike. Because if you're new, you're going to drop the bike quite a bit in the beginning. I For sure. Colorado, I mean, I dropped that shit <laughs> a bunch of times, but I completed that BDR. And it wasn't like, these weren't like crashes. These are just get-offs, you know? Like, right. low momentum, dropping it in the rocks, having to pick the bike up. Part of the reason I work out so I can continue to lift bikes. It's a big deal. I'm always the guy helping everybody lift because some people just have a hard time lifting a heavy bike. But it's just... Save your money, protect the bike, learn, but focus on what it is you're doing so that you're not going to overspend in all these areas. Because like I've bought stuff, good stuff, by the way, but maybe too much equipment and kit and things that I didn't need. And that's just part of the process though. Like I've spent so much money on camping gear and little things, videos like yours, man. Like, dude, I could think of like four or five things that I bought because of like a video you made. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> like I got a grail water filter was one of the last ones, right? That pressed down one. I like that thing. Um, yeah. See to summit like clothesline, just little stuff, dude. It doesn't matter. I, what I am getting at is it is like world's most expensive hobby. 
when you pay attention to everything your friends tell you, you're going you're gonna to go broke pretty fast. And if you think about it too, as a new rider, bike, like if you had nothing, I started from nothing at the, the beginning of the pandemic, right? No bike, no protection, no helmets, no riding gear or suit or anything, no camping gear, sleeping bag, tent. Dude, it's like I have a reel where I threw all this stuff down in front of the bike, I and I'm like, that. that's the thing. This is only $20,000. Get an adventure bike. It'd be fun, they said. I'll need one of these. Ah, but I like this one, too. I need this. One of these. Oh, and this. Gonna need this, too. Crap, I like this one, though. Don't forget tools. No, these two. Ah, these. Oh, and this. Another pack. Some days it feels like a vest. I might need a warm weather suit. First aid. Sleeping bag. Quilt. Another bag and some gas cans. Day jacket. Gloves. Tubes. I think that's just about it. And just think, that only cost $20,000. Like it's like just a pile of boots and bags and stuff, man. And it's gotten more expensive even since I picked some of that up, right? You know that. Yeah, if you're if you're a weekend rider, you know you can probably get away with minimal stuff. But if you're gonna start doing these bigger trips where you know you're gonna be on living off the bike for four yeah. or five six days, it's it's not a cheap hobby. It, it it would be cheaper to get a hotel, but it it's it's that's not for me. That, I mean, no, I, I do it. Don't I, I do it. Don't get me wrong. I, I, yeah. I will get a hotel room during these trips to refresh or if the yeah. weather just turns to shit or whatever. Right. But um, for me, it fills my cup to be out in the in the woods and living off the bike. Do you find when you travel? Oh, sorry. Go. I didn't mean. To... No, go ahead. I was going to say, do you find when you travel and when you're camping? Because I said this to somebody the other day. If I have like a seven or 10 day trip, which I've done a few of those. It takes me a good three days, full days to fully get into the rhythm of living off the bike to where then I'm really craving living off the bike. And then like you get a hotel maybe interspersed in there every once in a while just because, but you want to get back on like camping off the bike. At least I do. And it's, yeah, it's and sometimes I, I, the trip's so short that you're just starting to get into the groove and then you're like, oh, the trip's over. I got to go home. Yeah. Yeah. One of my, one of my best trips favorite trips that i've ever done was when my buddy dan and i did canada to mexico and that's 14 days you know and you think that's yeah. a lot and we we only stayed in a hotel room one day during that entire time and the only reason we did is because uh dan had a had a, a breakdown where we needed parts and we were in mojave which it was 116 degrees and you know in mojave there's no in that area there's you can't find shade the camp you know so it just would have been miserable so we got a cheap hotel room, waited for parts to come in, um, and then we fixed the bike in the parking lot, and then we were off again. But I, I, living off the bike is for me that is my my medicine, my my mental, uh, whatever you want to say. I mean, it's my throttle therapy. And but I, I do want to get into that for you because we do we have kind of gone off a tangent, which is great stuff, and we could talk about this continually. But let's let's get into again kind of why you got into adventure motorcycles. And, and what that has done for you just as a human being. Dude, I'll give you, I'll try to make it like as clear and concise as I can and not too wordy. I was at 50 years old. I had a certain life going, a very successful business life and identity that I had wrapped up into a business life. And I think like every person who experiences middle age, you always talk about it when you're younger. Oh, this old guy is going to go buy a car and do all these like weird things, right? Like, okay, you could call it midlife crisis. I do know for a fact that that's most likely real. I don't want to call it midlife crisis. I, I would like to say this. I think if you're going to be stuck being a one-dimensional player in life and your identity and your worth and your value, at least how you perceive it to the world, is wrapped up entirely in this pretty little package of your vocation in life, there's a point in time where when you've achieved enough success, there's probably going to be a point in time where you say, who am I still? Like, why am I doing this? Like, I've done some things, you know, like I beat my chest. I raced to the top of that success ladder because I thought when I got there, like I would be happy or happier. And I did all that. I think many people who are entrepreneurs or spend any time in business or trying to build something all follow this trajectory. It's inevitable. It's not going to make you happier being there. Or So what will happen is you're either going to get to the top and go, 
where is everybody? There's nothing going on here. And then you get complacent. It's just, that's part of it. Or you even start to just decline and you're like, ah, then you almost burn it all down. I mean, this is more like a business tangent too. Here, a, a take on this because it, it's all relative to how I arrived here, right? I, I felt like at that time, so we're at 19, 16 years of self-employment uh, and entrepreneurship. It just was like burned out on my identity and everything that was going on. And then timed with world events and a pandemic and all, it was like the perfect storm. I think like my tipping point hit all at the right time. And what do you want to call that divine in intervention or whatever? I, I now believe that it probably was. Uh, and you just got to go through it. The hard part about going through it is I said it to my friend, Anthony today, who's a guy that I help quite a bit is I said, dude, go the distance, please stay the course long enough. Don't be so screwed up in the head that you don't get the benefit of the hindsight and the wisdom I'm sharing with you right now. Right? So for me, I picked up the bike and I, I didn't realize there was cracks in my, in my game. Right. But it was the minute I got on the bike and experienced the freedom, it almost like put a spotlight on a magnifying glass on everything that I didn't know was sort of a disturbance or a quiet undertone of something to come because I went, there's that freedom again. There's that magic. There's that thing that enticed me about a motorcycle in the first place. Just like seeing something go, oh, that's cool. Like a kid had a moped when I was growing up and I just, can I ride it for a second? Just to, you know, so when I experienced that freedom and that access to get out there and then I was like your friends and I, my first few trips into the desert, these guys all camped in big groups, like 30 people out there. And I was like, man, I just felt like a full community, like all these dudes, like the wild west, you know, it could be horses or motorcycles, but we're all traveling through the desert and I'm like a new rider sucking, but I'm just watching these guys. And I picked up on it fast. It just was like, okay, it was starting to open up a new world to me, a new perspective, a shift that was starting to occur, which then made me start to question more. And then when the pandemic was there, we don't need to get into that. It just kind of like when things were just getting harder and harder and not ending, I think everyone can agree the first year I was like, okay, this will just pass, no big deal. But when we were like to year two of that is when I started really digging in more to the motorcycle. See the, the motorcycle and the access and the big bike and doing the Colorado BDR and just ride after ride was almost like a good distraction for the first year. It was the second year that I was like, man, things were changing. I was changing. My life was, was taking a different look because you start to, as you open your eyes to adventure and exploration, it, it really isn't just about the mountains and the hills and the beauty and the freedom. It's more about self-discovery. And, and I know that might sound like some hippie shit, but Maybe people watching this will feel that they aren't worth something. Even if you're succeeding, you can have imposter syndrome or you can just have feelings of worthlessness, right? And that's just something that I grew up with. I never, I had parents that were like not very emotionally available-ish. You know, they weren't like horrible, but they just, they weren't like my best friends and say, yeah, man, you go champ, we got you. It just, I was always seeking some validation to, does anybody hear me? So I was into skateboarding and I found my tribe there, right? We were outcasts and my, my identity became skateboarding and being a little bit subversive. And then I was into punk rock and hardcore. I still am. And I was in bands and that was like very like anti-authoritarian and subversive in its own way. And I got to travel. I did three U.S. tours and I'm like all this exploration stuff, right? Fast forward, the huge break between all that adolescent stuff to adulthood was spent building a career. And that's where the breakdown occurs is because I was like, well, then this is what I'm supposed to do now. I'm supposed to chase these pursuits, these things. I'm supposed to build a life, build wealth, get house, get married, have all this stuff, done all that, still successfully married to my wife more than 22 years. Amazing stuff. You'll arrive at this moment one day, though, where you're going to say, what does all this mean? And that's just a part of life as you get old. I had a parent pass away. All of these things start to make you acknowledge and accept your mortality. You realize how valuable time is. And what I had happened with motorcycles is I started to realize that I had been missing the boat and I was now seeking experiences and not things. I didn't yeah. need monetary things. Does that make sense? Absolutely. It's kind of like, like, it's the experiences that I was craving now. And I was getting totally 
fucked in the head, to be honest. Like I just was getting very depressed. I had a period where I was like always in my garage, wrenching on the bike, just doing nothing except tweaking, watching videos, learning how to change oil, take tires off, bought a Rabaconda, doing all this stuff to, to keep, keep my your, mind keep your right. Busy. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a tough time, dude. Like for real, I got dark, like very, yeah. very dark in the sense that I can just think of these times right now. It's crazy as I sit here and talking to you and share the story with everybody potentially listening to this. I was just sitting in my garage. I'd see the UPS guy because I was ordering parts. I became best buds with Hector, <laughs> dropping off UPS parts. And I was just like always in my garage. Like I wasn't doing hardly any work unless I was needed. You know, people would call me for something. I'm like, cool, rock on. And I'd be in the garage just blank, dude, like numb in a way. And that's just real. I think that's just a whole other topic of how you get there. But that's just something I felt. I felt very numb and removed from my life, my wife, my previous, my vocation, my current vocation. But like, I wanted to distance myself from the identity, man. It's almost like I had such a break that I was like, let's burn the ships, man. I don't want nothing to do with any of this stuff anymore except my family. And even that, I was having fear that like all of this change going on within me, would I outgrow people in my life that are close to me like they're gonna think like dude what is this wackadoodle doing i mean i married you i know you're a little crazy right yeah. there's some of that that's that's obvious but what i'm getting at is these are all the thoughts going on in your head but when you're in the mode of self-preservation it's kind of like sink or swim man like you're just gonna do what you gotta do because it's do or die that's how i felt i felt it was do or die i felt if i just ignored it or didn't do something or didn't continue to ride, who knows what would happen? I can't say for certain, you know, like I wouldn't be here, but man, I was just feeling dark. And that's just a real thing. And the reason I know that is because I've shared this with so many people and it's like, dude, thank God. Thanks for sharing that with me, dude. Like I, I don't even know who to tell, or I feel isolated alone about this because I don't know who to say, Hey man, I'm suffering a little bit. Yeah. And then that just like, what are you doing? Like, how are you getting past that? Like, dude, I see you out having fun. And it's like from the outside, it looks like it's all great, dude. It's like from, from people who watch, if you post videos, like, damn, look at you, man. You must be like rich and you're just out on an adventure all the time and must be nice, right? There's some of that. People say that. And then there's just other people who know if you take the time to get to know someone you know, like, dude, this was like brutal. This was not about braggadocious behavior. Right. This was This was literally... I'm going to pay a shrink and get on meds, which I don't didn't want to ever do ever. I'm just going to go ride the bike. And like you said, throttle therapy. As soon as I, and that video, that intro video I have on my YouTube channel, I say something on there about the moment I twisted that throttle was so intoxicating. Yeah. It's like, I felt with every twist, I was leaving something behind that I needed to ditch, right? The old ways of thinking, the old life, trauma, stories, childhood shit and most of the stuff you guys if you're watching you know you think about everything that triggers you or gets you a little messed up i can trace most of those things back to some way that i grew up some pattern that i learned or some sort of emotional unavailability that i was seeking and you spend your whole life dude this is like you will spend your whole life trying to unpack that and that's what i'm focused on man i'm trying to be a better human i'm trying to be good and i'm connecting outstanding amazing people dude like you man like we're on here talking about real shit man we're not just talking about like going through the dirt that's fine that that this is all it's all together though you see these things aren't separate yeah they're so intertwined if you're, if you're being honest they're not separate they're one and the same so for me to wrap that sort of long explanation up what this has done for me has given me another sense of connection to who I really am, what matters most in life to experiences that I needed to unlock and start to go and see to grow and expand as a person. It's given me confidence, like wrenching on the bike and being self-reliant and camping off of a bike. Dude, these are things like most people will suffer if their power goes out. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like, yeah. we're just talking about camping on a bike, but like these are simple things about like survival. And like, I've just learned a lot about myself, about what scares me to death. You know, I have videos posted on my channel. You can watch them where I was crying in tears that I'm alive, falling to my knees at the top of Burnt Knob in Idaho. 
not because burnt knob is the hardest thing in the world, but because for me as a new rider, burnt knob felt like Mount Everest and I made it. And those feelings of unworthiness and those things, and all the times people said, ah, you're never going to make it, dude. You're all tatted up. You're never going to make anything of yourself, dude. Meanwhile, I made millions of dollars, right? Doing real estate, right? I was always spent on this proving everybody wrong. Screw you. You don't, you don't know anything about me, right? That's like your defense, like right. growing up that way. And what I've learned is like, and I say it all the time to people, you don't need to go prove anybody wrong. Just go prove yourself right. Go believe in yourself. And it's never too late, dude. I started at 50. And I'm right. up here on a mountain crying about how hard it was. And I'm falling to my knees saying, thank you, God, because I'm alive. Because had I decided to end it, I wouldn't even be on that mountain, by the way, alone. When all my friends were like, I don't know, man, you're a new rider. I don't know if you're, it's good enough. And the, meanwhile, these are the same people. We all sat at the bottom of the hill for an hour contemplating, should we all go up? Should we take our bags up? <laughs> and one day I just went, and I just turned on my camera and I talked to myself the whole ride, 10 minutes and 59 seconds or whatever it is, all the way up. These experiences, man, I've been able to document. I can have a video or a photo for almost every feeling that I had along the way, which I find amazing because being 52, I grew up in a time where we weren't documenting everything. Skateboarding, we had video cameras, but I certainly wasn't documenting every last thing, right? We didn't have cell phones. We didn't have social media. Right. And if you were lucky enough to have a video camera, you turned it on when you could. I mean, granted, there's old eight millimeter tapes in my family, like back when the cameras were new, they used to film everything, but it's different than what we're talking about now. Right. What I love so we much- hacking that on a motorcycle. What I love now so much is being able to go through this journey so recently and have people interested in the story. And I can also just reflect back because it's so recent. And I almost have, like, I can see transformation. And I think that the best thing I could leave with anybody about what motorcycles has, has done, adventuring, exploration, anything on two wheels, that exhilarating feeling you get is the transformation that occurred. Like, I'm a different person. I am a 100% different person in all of the right ways and right. all the good that's, stuff. That's no power pain. I chose to keep the good stuff, but I was like, what's no longer serving me anymore? What is this like mindset shift that needs to occur that I no longer need? And I still suffer with that. I'm human, man. Like this isn't like me telling you I got it all figured out. I don't, but with every day that I go ride, I keep trying to figure it out with every day that I connect with my friends like you and we talk about this stuff, I'm figuring it out. Every time we share, a real story about something that matters, guess who gets to benefit? Somebody else who's sitting there behind the screen right now going, I don't know what to do. Yeah. I got a wife. I got kids. I got a career that I hate. I'm miserable. I'm overweight. I'm out of shape. I don't know what to do anymore. Dude, I can tell you what you need to do. You just need to get it together and make a decision to go do something different than what you're doing right now. And if you're watching this, the chances are you probably have a motorcycle or we're thinking about it. And I would encourage you, it's never too late to start, right? You just got to go for it. So, I mean, I, I feel like motorcycles as much as a mental health thing as anything else that you could ever put out there. Absolutely. I mean, you and I, like I said, we share a very similar reason why we got into it. And I've actually, I think only one time, not even on my channel, I've ever really shared why I got into motorcycles. I did it on another podcast that a yeah, friend of mine had on. Great. But I, I will, I, I'll, I'll get on here and I will kind of tell that story, but just in a nutshell, same deal. I was military law enforcement had dealt with a ton of stuff, really more in law enforcement than in military, to be honest with you, yeah. the, the deployments and stuff that I had, you know, at 20 years old, you don't really, I don't know, it, it, for me, at least you don't process or care all the things that you had to do in that. But, and as I got older, being in law enforcement and dealing with people every single day, that kind of wears on you after a while. And, um, motorcycles for me was my outlet away from that. And it got to a point to where I was just not happy unless I was on a bike, which is not healthy, right? Like you need to have the balance. Um, and it took me years to kind of figure that out. I mean, it came, it, it almost broke my marriage, not, not being on a motorcycle, but being my personality and how I was and, and the things that had come from that almost broke my marriage. So it came to a point to where something had to change. And, um, I mean, dude, motorcycles, it's, it saved, it saved me as a human, as far as being mentally 
squared away. Like it, it got me straight. And my wife knows like, that's why, that's why I get to go do the things that I want to go do is that, you know, just because I'm on motorcycles now doesn't mean that I don't still deal with all the, the things that I've dealt with in the past, but she knows like every, especially in the wintertime, it's hard because here in North Idaho, we're getting like three or four inches of snow today. I'm not going to be out on the bike. Right. But right. she knows every, every, you know, 90 days or so it's like, Hey, you want to go down to Arizona, go, go do something. Not because I'm bugging her because she knows that, Hey, like I'm, kind of like reached the top of my threshold and it's time to go do stuff that I enjoy doing and, and relieve that stress and get away. And it's, it's awesome. I mean, I, I think for anybody who is dealing, if you're in, into, into anything, two wheels, four wheels, whatever it may be, especially if you are primarily a street rider, at least this is in my opinion, if you can get into dual sport motorcycles or adventure motorcycles and start getting kind of away from the hustle and bustle, and I know that's cliche, but get away from the, the busyness of life and how it is and disconnect. And I know we're talking about this on the internet, right? But you need to get away and unplug. And I even, that's a fault of mine because as somebody who is doing YouTube videos and creating videos for other people, even when I'm out, you know, on these adventures, there needs to be a time and a place where I don't film because I need to just turn that technology off and just kind of get into here and let that go. And there's, there's times where I know I do, I'll do a four and five day trip and I'm like, it was amazing. It was fun, but it didn't do what I wanted it to do. So just advice, you know, if you're not doing this type of yeah. content creation and there's one thing you know take take your photos like you said i mean take your photos your videos do those things that you can reflect on and be like yes that was a kick-ass time we had a great time with the boys or whatever it is but um also just be in the moment be in the moment writing um it's that's i've, I've told people in the past too you know you i love i love meditation i'm like i know it's for some people that's weird but do that it, it motorcycling for me especially on a technical trail or even yeah. going kind of fast on like two track or single track, there is nothing that you are more focused on than that 20, 30 feet in front of you. And that is for me the most, that is the best meditation that anybody can have because everything else goes away at that point. So Dude, anyway, do you realize how powerful that statement is? Like when you can clear your brain, literally, where you're not even thinking even about the motorcycle riding because your brain is literally focused on, you're, you're not focused on the motorcycle. When you're new, you are, because you're like, oh no, obstacle, don't right. hit the brakes. But when you start to build some skill, what I've noticed is go night riding. I, have, I ride, my, my riding mentor is my buddy TJ. I love this dude to death, man. He is the most patient guy. He's ridden with me more than anyone. He's been in my ears on my cardo the most i hear him all the time it's like having a riding sensei you know behind you come on brian more gas more gas more gas ah you know and then the disappointment sound <laughs> when i would tip over but we go riding at night and i'm hauling ass and he's filming me at night and he's like dude you're riding so crazily good right now i'm like i don't even get it i feel like i'm on it's like a it's muscle memory because i'm you're literally just you're just going where the bike wants to go and i i said to him in the ears last time I'm not even thinking about a damn thing. I wasn't thinking that you're behind me or filming. I wasn't thinking about, I need to hit the brakes. I was literally responding to the trail and just, if you can give yourself that gift, you can, when you can get to that point of full tune out while doing something aggressive and dangerous at the same time. Wow. What a gift. Yeah. It's like, it's, a, it's tunnel vision in, in such yes. a good way, right? Like, somebody who has like a tactical mindset from things I've done in the past, you never want to get tunnel vision. But in this, in this sense, getting tunnel vision is the best. Like I said, it's, it's a form of meditation. It's good for my brain. Dude, the endorphins are insane. I can't even go into explain how it makes me feel, you know, it, it's, if you it's know, all you know. the good. Yeah. You know, yeah. You if, exactly. If you've been in that situation or you're a seasoned writer or, or you're a new writer and you've just had that moment where you're like, ha, huh, that was, if, if it was fun, you're in that moment. Like, yeah. cause that's, that's the most fun is when you're, you're in the groove of the bike, the trail and nothing else 
you're not thinking about anything else except maybe getting hurt, you know, but that's just, that's the point when yeah. you need to just back off just a little bit. <laughs> so. I seem to remember, I seem to remember not too long ago, somebody that's on this podcast right now, bucking his rear wheel around and flipping the bike 180 on Indian reservation and breaking off an auxiliary light and part of the windshield coming off. I Dude, think that's so that, funny. Was that you? That was me. Yeah. Yeah. It, that was of that trip that was luckily the 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 least of the crashes we had but dude that crash was weird because we had those so just to kind of lay this out for you guys we're at the end of the day we're coming down this gravel road that had some there's some rocks in it but nothing in my opinion nothing that was worth even getting spun up on and there's like six or eight wild horses off to the left just pace magic us. and i'm looking over like this is so cool and we're doing 25 maybe and dude not, that was probably the most violent or fast acting crash i've ever had i went from like ah oh, to in the dirt like freaking over the handlebars huge bruise on my thigh from my mirror breaking off like yeah. dude but that's the thing it's like those type types of things happen and you, then you just you get up, you brush it off and, you know, I, I would, I would, yeah, right. You, you learn from it, but don't let something like that take away from what you have going on around you. Cause there is a time for haul ass, whatever tunnel vision focus, but there's also a time for when the trail is open or like we thought it was at least in that point to look around and be like, man. I am here. I mean, the closest pavement to us at that point was like, what, 10 miles away or something. Yeah, it was So to, to look around and be like, man, I am in the middle of nowhere and it is awesome. So I, there's a time and place for both. And I think you can get, I think you can get benefits out of both, right? You can get benefits out of that, that tunnel vision meditation or meditative state of writing to where you're totally focused, but you can also equally get some amazing benefits out of just being away off the grid yeah. and, and being, and, and taking in your surroundings, dude, that was a, like one of the best sunsets too. I mean, of all the things that were going wrong at that point, I mean, we'll, we'll get into that with, in another podcast. Yep. Um, if you followed, if you followed me on Instagram or, you know, Chad, um, good life ADV, he was riding with us and he had a, a, a really bad off um, that the same day. And I'm actually going to have him on the podcast as well here in the next few weeks, but I'll have the time to tell the story, but man, it, it was a shitty end to a amazing day, but it doesn't take away from it. I feel like, I mean, obviously I didn't break my leg. Right. But, um, yeah. every, for everything that went wrong of that first of, of that day, it was, I, I mean, I, I do everything over again, except the injury. I think that there's a lot to learn from those sort of heavy moments. I had never been through something quite that heavy, which involved a helicopter, but just to summarize, I think when you're out in those things, being prepared, being with people are capable and of like mind that are there to help and making sure that like, we're all here and this is it to the end. Like, cause when someone's getting severely injured, there's no time for you to be focused on you. It's like, no, everyone has to go into, you know, the mode of making sure how do we stabilize the situation at each one of everyone them. has their own role at that point. We had a role, dude, like you comfort him, you take care of this, you grab the bike. I'm going to start trying to coordinate like transpo, whatever we got to do, man. But I just think like what I was going to say is as a result of that trip and the stuff, for those of you who have followed it, you can watch future episodes and you're going to get it in detail. I would say I've had so many people ask me about it. And I think that in the midst of all that chaos and and the bad stuff that happened to Chad, there's going to be good stuff. There's going to be lessons learned and and experiences and things to share that are extremely valuable to other people going through that. Because those are the questions like, hey, man, how did you guys get the, you know, I never really thought about that. I'm like, yeah, you should be thinking about your communicator and how are you going to get out of here if you get into the shit? Like these are yes. things that a lot of people overlook they just think i'm gonna be fine and you might not be well, so and, and a lot of people too think oh it's it's just a bdr you know you hear that a lot of times it's just a bdr it's already it's, it's already planned out for you it's already put together the route is put together 
nothing else except okay fuel right the fuel stops but the the route is put together but you don't you have no idea what's going to happen and sometimes it's the most seasoned people that have just these weird things that happen and then you have to figure out how to get out of there because yeah and in the situation like that we 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 were lucky to have cell service like i i still don't understand how we had cell service because of where we were but you have to figure out how you're going to get you and your your equipment out and if god forbid you be by yourself right because that that would have been even a worse situation but um i think it, there's gonna be a lot of things like you said come out of this and i, I can't wait to do um, a full kind of in-depth and i might even have you and a couple other people that were there on that yeah, same we could do like a round this. table with it man we do a recap like a yeah fireside chat yeah. vibe where we're all talking about yeah this. exactly because i think there was a lot of things to learn from that um and especially for people who have never been in situations like that before and then I, i've been in a couple of other similar not not as severe situations but where we had to get people out one of those was myself years back in 2018 i tore my acl on the big bike way 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 in the woods where we should not have been riding single track and we ended up having to i ended up having to ride out with a torn acl and did it by like taking some sticks and putting them on but like creating a splint and it just you know there's stuff that you have to kind of think through and i think uh again everybody's gonna learn something and everybody in the group has learned something from that and i'm hoping to to share that that knowledge that we've learned but um, to wrap it up real quick, I guess, um, I, I appreciate your time. We're already getting close to an hour, so I don't want to go over that just for the viewer here, but, um, I, I keep saying as a new writer, you're not really a new writer per se, but you're, you know, to, to adventure writing, you're fairly new. And for that or towards that, I guess, what would you tell somebody who is brand new getting into adventure writing or, or dual sporting? What are, what are some things that you would, some lessons learned, or maybe just some things that you would say, and you kind of already touched on a little bit as far as the spending goes, but is there anything else that you would tell a writer that's just getting into adventure writing, um, kind of some things that you learned and some advice that you would give them? So, yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I mean, advice for a newer writer, obviously something I touched on already. Don't overspend. Don't listen to everybody, uh, about everything they say you should, you know, buy. But do your research, know what things are going to be important, ask questions, and then just take everything with a grain of salt. And your budget is something that you have to consider. Two, I always say, no matter what, you should just ride your ride. Anytime, anywhere, no matter the group, no matter the train, ride your ride, ride within your abilities. You're not going to get better unless you're out there putting in seat time. I mean, I literally talked about mileage. <laughs> I've done... 20,500 miles on my T7 in not in April will be three years. So under three years, 20,500 miles already doing all of my own maintenance. This is the next thing. Learn your bike. Do not rely on other people. We kind of talked about growing up, uh, like not being a wrench or whatever, but I would say that one of the things that builds so much confidence in me, and you're going to need it when you're out on the trail in case there's like a right. breakdown, know your bike, know how to do the basic things, <laughs> changing a tire, breaking the chain link if you need to, changing a sprocket if, if those are things that happen on that bike. Um, just everything will benefit you the more you know when you get into trouble. But most of these bikes aren't going to just fail over some stuff that you can't figure out. So it's just a matter of are you prepared? Do you know how to address it? Can you limp it along? Can you do things? You know, I got all the old dirt bike guys. I carry 350-pound zip ties. I carry like 10 of them. Yeah. I had to put my fork guards back on because all the rocks in Arizona tore those off and these things came in handy. I gave some to my travel mates like, hey, dude, you need a zip tie? Got it. You know, work with your group. Talk about redundancy if that's the thing. You know, I used we all used to carry our own thing and I still love some element of self-sufficiency because if someone had to leave you, I need to make sure I got my stuff. But carry a good toolkit. Know how to wrench on your bike. Ride within your limits. Don't overspend on shit. And three or four, you should just go out and ride as often as possible and learn. Go take a class. I haven't taken a class yet. You know, there's people that we know uh, who are big fans and train. Also, you know, Justin Edelman, you know, specifically, and Josh Jones, like instructor. Like, these are things that are great. These are things that I still should want to do. I've had the benefit of riding with some good people, and I put in so much seat time that I'm not saying I have all the answers or I have it all worked out, but the more you ride the better you're going to be. And I think too, 
something interesting. I talked about not riding the KTM very much in the first year. I think if you don't have a lot of dirt experience, the real jumping off point, the starting point anyway, shouldn't be the adventure bike. It should be the dual sport bike. Go build those skills, learn how to navigate the bike, learn what it's like to ride over rocks, rocky terrain, little hill climbs, how the back end feels, and then graduate, you know? If you have some level of skill, you might be able to step into a smaller adventure bike. You know, T7, I still consider on the smaller side. I think it's a nimble bike. Uh, it's one of my favorite bikes. I've ridden quite a few other bikes. That's the other thing. Ride your buddy's bike whenever they'll let you so you can ride as many things as possible so you actually know. Instead of like seeing a new bike come out, see the pictures, you go to the dealer, there's no demo day, and you're just like, well, I'm just going to get a KTM 890R. Like, what if you don't like that bike? What if you don't like the buzziness and the vibration? What if you don't like the bar position? You know, it's it's a race. It's more race-oriented bike. Killer on the dirt. But I don't really love that bike on the street that much. I still like my T7 better for the for the mix. Right. So it's like, find out what you want to do and do you. Ride your ride. Exactly. Do the things that are going to appeal to how you want to approach riding, and you're going to be way happier. Don't get wrapped up in what everybody else tells you you should do, I think. That's that's just my my two cents, man. That's, that's what that's I got. good stuff. Good stuff. And and it's funny that you say that about um, starting off on a, on a smaller dual sport because – yeah. If I if I could do it again, uh, that's exactly what I do. I went I went from street riding to big bike adventure riding with having very little dirt experience. I mean, I, as a the kid, AT? I rode. When you went the Africa Trail, uh, no, I had a, another bike before that. I mean, to be real honest, I had a which isn't even it wasn't really an adventure bike. But I don't want to get into that can of worms because any yeah, bike yeah. can be an adventure bike, right? But uh, you're all adventures. Uh, but a, a, a Suzuki DR V or a V Strom, a Suzuki V Strom is what is what I had. That was the first, yeah. and, and there's a there's a crazy story behind that which I've told. But I, uh, that was my first ad, ad, you know quote adventure bike, and that yeah. thing was a pig. It was heavy. It had no clearance, but looking at it, it, it made me a better rider because I had to pick really good lines or I was going to pay for it. Whereas if I would have jumped straight to something like the AT or whatever, or, you know, even, even an XR650, the XR650 that I recently built for the Fieldcraft, dude, I am in love with that bike. That bike is so fun. And it is a 30 year old dinosaur of a machine, but dude, like no one has been around as long as it has, because in the sand, that thing just rips. And I, I mean, anyway, I could go into that for a long time. You made, I, you made I, me you, want to pick. You made me want to pick one of those up, just like seeing it again, because I just I like it. It's a cool bike. It's it's a cool bike, man. And like I said, it's a thirty year old bike that hasn't changed literally since like nineteen ninety three. Right? Yeah, it's all carbureted. It's got simple forks, uh, but the suspension on it is, is out of the box. Is actually really good, but. Anyway, yeah, I would definitely say start with something if you're gonna if you're planning on riding more dirt, start with something that is dirt oriented, that is smaller to kind of get the skill down, and then from there, again, like you said, take a class. Um, it's funny that you say that too, because Josh Jones, who if you if you follow this channel, a good friend of mine, Everybody owns the Yellow Pine, owns the Yellow Pine store in Yellow Pine, which um, he's going to have that for sale here pretty soon, but. Uh. He, he recently got hired on at Austin Moto Ventures out of Austin, Texas. Well, actually Burnett, Texas, which is north of Austin. And so he is uh, one of the lead dudes over there now at Austin Moto Ventures. And I'm going to have him here on the podcast talking about what he does there, what Austin Moto Ventures. Dude, that, that training facility, I can't wait to go there. It, it, is, it is awesome. And we'll get into that more. But go take a class. There's that. There's Rawhide. There's a few others out there that are specifically towards big bikes. Jimmy Lewis's course is amazing. Take Jimmy Lewis's course if you, because what's nice about Jimmy Lewis's course is he focuses on dirt, like straight dirt riding, no matter if it's on a dirt bike or a big bike. I mean, he even doesn't even want to train people that are newer riders on big bikes. He wants to put them on dirt bikes to get to learn yeah. the fundamentals first, right? So yeah, go take a course. I like that. Um, that's a that's a huge thing that I think people don't want to invest in themselves. It's, they're expensive. I would say of all the courses, Jimmy Lewis's is probably the least expensive. There's no frills with it. I mean, there's no catered meals like some of the other ones are and stuff, but I think the quality of training that you get with Jimmy Lewis's course is, is awesome. I've actually never taken it, but every single person that I've talked to talks really highly of it. So I might get on that here pretty soon because that's a that's a 
seems like it'd be one worth taking for sure. There's, there's never too much. You can, you'll never, you'll never know everything, right? Sometimes you build bad habits that work and then somebody will tell you that you're doing it wrong and you change it and you're like, holy crap, this is way better than what I've been doing. So you know, you know what's funny when you say all of that, I just had one, I had one or two last thoughts, if I may. Yeah. Being newer to this, and I still feel like the new guy because a lot of the people I ride with have been riding twice as long, three times, four times longer than me their whole lives. They grew up on bikes when they were five. Dude, I started this at like 50, pretty much. Yeah. You, as a rider, as a representative of whatever it is you're doing, I'm not asking you to be the mayor of Moto <laughs> or ambassador <laughs> adventure riding. That's not what I'm saying. You can really encourage somebody or you can shatter their like whole perception of what this is. Like you can make them never want to do this again, or you can make them say, hell yeah, I want more. And I always keep that in mind when I'm with people because I was treated both ways. And those people that treated me poorly, I don't want anything to do with. I don't ride with people who are deserters, who leave you stranded, who leave you in bad spots. Always be the person who's going to help. Always be the person who's going to encourage. And man, get some comms and ride with your buddies and be in the ears, man. I've rode with my buddy Chris on a KLR and he's like newer and I just was like behind him and I'm encouraging him. Like, brother, you look so good. You're doing this. As you approach that, maybe just, he's like, dude, I've been riding on my own for like a year, year and a half with nobody. This is like valuable. It's just so cool to be talking to somebody while we're riding and it just lit the fire. And then I let him ride my T7. He's like, you let me ride this because you want me to get a T7. I'm like, no, I'm just saying like, ride a buddy's bike, man. Like, it's our obligation, I feel, to just encourage people. Don't discourage them. Don't shit on people. Don't be a gatekeeper. Don't, you know, if someone can do something, they can do it. If they can't, it's beyond their abilities. Let them say no. But don't make them feel bad for it. Don't shame anybody. The Cardo, man, the Cardo is like one of, that is an essential piece, essential piece of gear for, for anybody who is going to ride with yeah. more than one person. Even even riding by yourself, it's nice to have the music and stuff like that, right? Music. But I rarely, I honestly rarely listen to music unless I'm by myself. Like there's some guys that you can do both. You can I can't do it. Back. I can't ride on the trail with music. I need to hear my bike. I just like hearing the bike and kind of tuning out and being in touch and one with the bike and everything that's going yeah. on. I don't want to hear the music. I'm the sound way the Cardo is hands down one of the most essential pieces of equipment that you can have as far as gear goes. Right. But, um, man, I really appreciate you. One real, one more thing. Let's talk about, uh, kind of a shameless plug on uh, beyond zero apparel. Let me know what that's about. I know it's something that you're, let's hear it. Yeah, it's on Instagram. Uh, it might even be just look it up at, at beyond zero apparel. Listen, I made a, an apparel brand. It's more like as much personal development and motivation and just me being real, kind of how we're talking now as much as it is about selling t-shirts. Like really the t-shirts are a physical manifestation, representation of beliefs and ideologies that I share. And, uh, and we're still building that up. So, you know, I've been able to help a lot of people. I get a lot of messages. I'm working with a few people. It's not, I'm not a guru. I'm not a coach. I'm not selling programs. I'm just a human being who cares about people. And I'm trying to take my dark period that I turned into a positive through all of these experiences, my like 19 years as an entrepreneur, my time in a band as a skateboarder, as a rebel, just all my growth in 52 years so far on this bubble. And I'm putting it all into one place that's positive. I want, I thought about this yesterday. I just want to create something that's going to make you feel something. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying yeah. you're wrong, you're broken, you're screwed up. I have the answers by my course. I'm not, I don't, it's not about that. I want you to feel something. So, Sometimes I'm talking about a shirt that I have, a design, and other times, like yesterday, I'm talking about self-respect and honoring commitments because I went to go see my 84-year-old, 85-year-old father, and a lot of people have parents who aren't here, man. I got messages like, dude, good on you for going over there and making that the priority. I, I would give them anything to go spend time with my mom or my dad again. Yeah. And So follow me if you're into that kind of stuff. We sell some t-shirts and hats. We're still growing this, and I'm just trying to build it brick by brick. There's no advertising. It's more like... One-on-one, -on -one, man, grassroots, how I like to do everything. I'm a people person. I want to connect with someone at their heart. I, I don't even like fucking around with people who I, if I have to figure out the riddle and the puzzle that's you in order to hang with you, I can't do it. I, I, yeah. At the point of life, I like what you see is what you get people. And that means even if you're just a little rough, I don't care. I just love being around people who I know what I'm getting, who I'm talking to. And then I can work within that because that's just all I think the world needs now is authenticity. 
And uh, so check it out and you can follow my outside looking out page, which is just all the moto stuff and having a good time. And if you're near Los Angeles County, San Diego, San Bernardino, or anywhere close to here or passing through, man, I am on the bike nonstop. Hit me up. I'll ride with you. Like, I love that more than anything. I, I like fully jammed up a dude on a T7 coming off the trail the other day and he's there by himself. I'm like, what's up, dude? T7, bro, with all like five guys. And I'm like, give me your email, man. Give me your phone number. <laughs> like, gave him the. And he was like, oh, yeah. yeah he's like, I'll call you. I'm like, where are you coming from? He rode like 50 miles to get out here to ride our trail because he lives more in the city. So yeah. I'll ride with anybody because I love it. I'm passionate about it, man. It's, a, it's all I think about. I'm still trying to find balance, but I think that it is the best medicine. It's the best way to connect with people. And it's just the best thing for my life. And I know most of you probably feel that way. So that's my take. Well, Brian, dude, I, I really appreciate you, man. I feel like we have just kind of like, it's like the tip of the iceberg for, I mean, we can yeah. go on and on I forever. I want to, I, I know we need to, <laughs> we, we need to go out and actually get some rides in, in the spring and, and, and do some, yes, do some more, some more writing for sure. But man, I appreciate you, you know, uh, I got a special place in my heart for you, man. So I appreciate you, you being Same. on here for the first, my first, first podcast. And uh, we'll, have you, we'll have you back on. We'll, we'll talk more stuff, but um, yeah, follow his page. Also uh, check out Beyond Zero Apparel. He's got some good designs there and just the meaning behind it all. Check out the about page on it all. But Brian, um, yeah, we'll, we'll chat soon, man. Thank you. Brother man, thank guys. you.